Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to this week's Stock Market Report. This week we're going to look at where the next boom will come from, then we'll get into the Australian stock market so I can share with you my thoughts on where it's heading, along with answering your questions and looking at stocks for you. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. Now remember, as you subscribe, click the bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also, remember to tune into our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. Now, this is the show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favorite stocks and answer all of your most burning questions. Now, in the late 70s and early 80s, we saw the start of the technology boom with Microsoft and Apple beginning to become a household name. And now, 40 years later, I believe we're at the start of a new wave of technological innovation. So where is this innovation going to come from? Well, in my opinion, it will be blockchain technology. Now, most people associate blockchain with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, yet this is really only a minor part of how blockchain will drive technological change into the future. In simple terms, blockchain provides for the secure, anonymous recording of transactions, which is tamper-proof and encrypted data held on multiple servers around the globe. Now, in fact, I believe blockchain technology will become commonplace in the not-too-distant future, as anything we value can be recorded with blockchain. For example, when purchasing a motor vehicle, you could get a record of every owner every service, every accident, every insurance claim and more and be confident that the report is 100% accurate so that you have total peace of mind knowing exactly what you are buying. Sounds like stuff of the future. Well, this exact service has just been launched in the US. Now, think about banking, purchasing a house, getting loans, medical history, and the list of applications that blockchain can support, which is why I believe will explode in the coming years. Now, even stock exchanges around the world will use the blockchain to record trading activity. The current COVID-19 pandemic has caused a significant shift in society in so many ways, and it's highly likely that blockchain will support the changing landscape right now and provide confidence in the security of our data. Now, therefore, if you're looking for the next Apple or Microsoft to invest in, maybe they're just a small startup right now, or maybe they're not far off listing. Either way, this space will be fun to watch in the future. 
So what were the best and worst performing sectors last week? Well, financials was the best performing sector up 4.78%, followed by energy up 2.03% and utilities that was up 1.04%. The worst performing sectors included healthcare down 4.46%, followed by materials down 2.76% and information technology down 2.3%. Now, let's get into the best performers in the S&P ASX 100 top stocks and they included ANZ Bank which was up wait for it 10.20% last week now computer share was also up strongly up 9.27% with blue scope steel that was up 9.17% followed by Stockland and that was up 8.63% the worst performers included one of last week's best performers, IDP Education, which was down 13.61% last week, followed by Fortescue Metals down 8.34% and Evolution Mining, that was down 8.33% last week. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts for our S&P 500 All Ordinaries Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks that you've chosen for me. Okay, well again, our market did what it seems to be doing over the last month or two, where it's going up one day and down the next, uh, but obviously with Friday being more of a bearish day on the Australian stock market, again, we closed low and it does now look like we're starting to move down into the low that I was expecting, just a little bit later than what I thought. I mean, this is where picking a peak of a market or a stock can be quite difficult because it is really dependent on the market psychology and the emotions of the market. Picking bottoms is a little bit easier than picking tops. But let's go and have a look at the chart so I can give you my thoughts on what I think we're going, what the market will do over the coming weeks. Now, looking at the screen right now, you'll see I haven't changed a thing on the chart from last week's report. I just wanted to leave everything there so you can know that let's move on. And, and obviously, Predicting the market on a short-term basis is, is really sort of a dangerous type of thing in terms of um, things can change pretty quickly on the market, but the bigger moves don't change. So whilst I knew that the market or needs to go down into a low, just when it was going to do it, sometimes in the short term, it can be a little bit out of whack. Now, I'm just going to take, last week I was talking about the two scenarios being one, the market could shoot up this week and be really fast up and then come down into a low sometime into April, or it could keep slowly going down into April. And my preference, if you ask me, I ask my preference, my preference is a slow move down into the low into April, much more orderly move. But I want to get rid of this one. So you can see how it's doing that at this point in time. Now, current, this week, Obviously, we've seen the market, the Australian market, open at 6.940 points. It closed three points higher. Um, so it actually closed higher for the first time. That's Friday's close, you can see there. It actually closed higher for the first time in a few weeks, actually. If we look back, there's a lower close, lower close. So three weeks in a row it closed lower, although this is technically still a down week because the low is 6.887, which it achieved on Friday. Um, and the low there is 6.921. So we've really had a couple of weeks down. Now, I do expect that the market will continue now to go down. Now, as I was saying, well, as I was trying to say to you last week, I don't think it's not going to be confirmed until it goes below the low of that 6.770. Now, some of you are probably sitting there saying, Dale, you know, well, if I have to wait till it goes below that low, surely I should be getting out before that. No, that's not the point. It's really about, again, we constantly say trade on confirmation not speculation. So whilst I think the market will move down here, the market, I don't control the market. If I can control the market, then I can tell exactly what it's going to do, but I don't. And so 
you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that we could have announcements coming out or something happening in our Australian stock market just goes straight straight up through the roof here. But eventually it will do what we normally would do. So sometimes weekly and daily moves don't necessarily do what we expect it to do. But overall, the bigger moves, the trends will unfold as we would expect. But right now I'm thinking it will move down somewhere to below about six and a half thousand points. And I would expect that the move down somewhere between about eight and 12 percent. 8% is around about that point there, which is about 6,600. Uh, we're getting down to 10% is six, just that 6,500 points. 12% is around about 6,300, but 15 is about 6,000 points. I don't think it's going to get that low. I think probably it'll get to around about that 6,500 points. So not that much of a bigger move. And if we're looking at from where the current position is, it's even less from where it is right now. It's only another 6 to 7% from where it is now. But again, I, I am prepared for it to go down to around about 6362 in the move into into sort of that middle of that sideways move that it did through to around about September, October last year. But nothing too much to be worried about. I think the second half of this year will be bullish. Again, I think, you know, I am thinking that the the, the opportunities are still going to be in the banks or the, the, the financials uh, sector, financials, materials and energy. Uh, Janine and I were talking about those pretty much from the third start of the third quarter last year saying look at materials energies and financials for into 2021 the material sector has done really well the last six months bhp and rio are at all-time highs done very well Fortescue's done really, really well, although more in the last week or so it's been a bit more weak. I think those couple of stocks will start to ease off and start to come down again. Looking at the banks, you saw ANZ, what it did this week. ANZ and Westpac have been stars this year. They're doing very, very well, uh, with Combank and Macquarie Bank lagging behind. Now, normally Combank and Macquarie Bank lead the charge of the bank, so I'd expect a little bit of a changing of the guard there, so to speak, with Macquarie and Combank to start moving up, and the other two, the Westpac and ANZ to slow down a little bit. That said, um, anything is possible as we always talk about. Don't just buy and sell just based on what I'm thinking because today is my opinion based on what I see today, but tomorrow more information comes out and so that, that opinion may change or be modified something and that's where I find people just take... Um, how do I say it? People tend to want to take little tips and hints from the media and or experts or chat forums or whatever else saying, oh, this person said this, and you think it must happen. It doesn't. None of us control the stocks. None of us control the market. So whilst we may be doing some analysis, it's always, always, always our best guess based on the knowledge and experience that we do have. So always trade on confirmation, always have rules around what you're doing. And that's something that Janine and I continually push through. If you own any of those stocks that I mentioned, don't just sell them because I think that I've just said they, they may be weak and just don't buy stocks that I said I think will do really, really well. You still need to do your, all your own research and make sure you understand why you're buying, how you're going to manage it and when you're going to sell. And uh, last Tuesday, we did a show, Janine, I did a show on YouTube here, our live stream. We did it on, you know, when to sell because I find most people or the vast majority of those investing and trading in the market, I'm talking over 90% of people, don't know how to sell or when to sell properly. So if you haven't checked out that show, have a check it out. But let's now get into your questions for this week. Alrighty, the first question we have today is from Brett's Babe, who says, Hello Dale, can you please give your opinion on RSG? It has reached levels of March 2020, and I got these at 66 cents last year, and should have got out in hindsight in August, September 2020. Still hold these stocks, and I'm thinking the current downtrend wave 
as staying around a break even with these stocks. Now, cannot wait for your book to arrive. Okay, so let's go and have a look at the chart because I'm not quite sure exactly what you're asking me, but I think you're asking me just to give me my opinion on the stock anyway. But let's go and have a look at it um, on the screen right now. And you can see here the, the stock um, on the left is the monthly chart, on the right is the weekly chart. Now, you said you got into it at 66 cents um, and that you were supposed to, or you should have got out of it in um, roughly October or September, October last year. Now, I think based on what I'm seeing here, if I put my little crosshair on here, 66 cents is somewhere around, gee, where'd you get into it? That low there is like 60, uh, that's 66. So you probably would have got into it somewhere either in there or in there or even earlier from, but I know you wouldn't have got in there. So somewhere around those two bars in March last year. So that point of getting into that stock, to me, in my mind, that's super high risk trying to get into that stock at that point in time. It would have been a complete guess buying in around March last year at 66 cents uh, getting into that. Um, yeah, you should have got out of it, but there should have been rules. There's plenty of rules to get out of this up around a dollar uh, from a point of view of our course, what we teach students and how we teach. Even in our trading mentor course, you would have been out of this stock. Um, right now, it is going down. It's now hit a low of 61 cents, so you are in a loss. Um, I, look, geez, if it doesn't find support below that low, as soon as it breaks through that 60 cents, I'd be you know, getting out of that stock because right now it is in a downtrend. It just shows to me that you don't have solid rules around entries and exits. Uh, and I'm not trying to be, be rude to you, but getting in at this point, super, super high risk. It would have been a guess at best and, and holding on all the way through there means you don't have a stop loss or you don't have an exit strategy. And, and to me, um, just saying you should have got out around August, September, there's no real rule around there to get out of it, but you should have been out of it by then anyway, because if you look here, if I just put my little uh, little tool on here, from that high, you're talking about where it's actually fallen nearly 60% in price. And by that time, August, September had fallen over 40% in price. So it just says to me that you need better rules because end of the day, as, as, as we say, anybody can buy a stock. You just have to flip a coin and go, yeah, I'll buy the stock because your money's not on the line until you actually purchase. But the proverbial hits the fan once you enter into the marketplace, whether, well, no matter what stock you buy, and the emotions are there, and then you have to make decisions about do I hold or do I sell? And that's the constant decision you need to make. And you constantly need to reevaluate positions and what you're doing and how you're managing that stock. If you don't understand how you're going to exit, then you really are taking risk with your money because you do need to have solid exit strategies. Both you need to have a stop loss initial one, which we talked about last on last week's live show, and a trailing stop loss. So you need to have both of those. You need, once you're in profit, you need to protect your profit, not just guess about it. So as I said, I'm not trying to be rude to you. I'm just saying you need better entry and exit rules because um, right now at the moment, you're hanging on to a stock. You're only slightly in a loss because you bought it at 66. It's down at 61, so it's down about 5 cents and less than 10%. So you're doing okay at this point in time, but you've held the stock for so long, since a whole year, and you've really made no money out of it where you could have made some good returns out of it if you had better rules. But hey, we all got to start somewhere, don't we? So good on you for asking the questions and do keep asking questions and really keep learning. Um, if you haven't bought my book, get my book. Now, oh, sorry, you're waiting for my book to arrive. I forgot to the last bit on there. So have a good look at my book and it'll give you some exit strategies. So let's move on to the next question. And that's from, I'm trying to say this properly, a Ulysses, I think, or Ulysses. 
I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce your name, and I do apologize if I got it wrong, but if I got it right, give me a big thumbs up. Who says, hi, Dale, g'day. Thank you for all the knowledge you are sharing. My pleasure, mate. Um, I would like to know about your opinion about buyback. I'm considering uh, and put brambles on top of my watch list as it been reported good even with the COVID situation. They are also making a buyback on a very good price level and it's still currently in a downward trend but it's nearing a 200 exponential moving average on a monthly chart. I, I really do like what I'm seeing and reading during my research and I'm still on a sidelines because I know it's not the news and reports that should be the signal but the charts. Absolutely correct. Always the signals on the charts. So I'm going to bring up Brambles now and have a look at that for you. If it's in downtrend it's not exciting but it's interesting and enough to have a look at it. I don't use exponential moving averages. I actually don't use moving averages at all. In my trading, I don't use any technical indicators on uh, like those computer generated indicators on my charts. And a lot of people say to me, why not? And I go, because it makes my trading harder um, and a lot more conflicting. I don't use any of those. I'd rather make my trading a little bit easier. But right now, this is in a downtrend. With a buyback, when you're looking at buybacks, they generally will support the stock price, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to start rising. So whilst this may be hitting a next, you're getting close to your 200 day moving average there, um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a buy. But right now, it's holding up um, at this point in time, it does look okay, but it still looks weak to me. Now let's go and have a look at the monthly chart and just have a quick look at that. And you can see Brambles is one of these stocks you've got to love to hate because it's it's really, really, really all over the place. You can see the more I bring it back, it has beautiful big runs, but then it comes right back down again and it's had a lot of resistance up around that. 13 to 14 odd dollar mark. So it's a lot of this trading at the moment, it's a bit of a mess. So it's more of a trading stock than a buy and hold stock. So I'm not suggesting you're not wanting to trade it, that you, uh, sorry, you're not wanting to buy and hold it, than you are wanting to trade it. But right now, I just think it's too high risk. But look, I, I applaud you for looking at a stock that's doing buybacks, but again, just having a buyback doesn't really excite me as, as wanting a good reason for wanting a stock. I want it to flush out, I want it to hit a bottom, and I want it to start moving up and show me signs that it got has got some good growth and it got some legs. Yeah, there's some good news around about it. Hey, it's holding up well during COVID, and there's been a lot of stocks holding up well during COVID, but there's been a lot of stocks doing uh, poorly during COVID as actually well. But as the market increases or as the economy increases as the Australian economy increases. I mean, Brambles is a player that plays in world markets for what it does in its logistics and pallets and blah, blah, blah. There's a whole lot of things that Brambles do. So there's more to it than just a buyback. It's just good. Buybacks are about good capital management from the company. But as I said, I do applaud the thinking that you've got behind it. Just sit back and wait for it to give you a good signal to get into it. Now we've got a question from, I think you said, Hoosh. Um, we haven't had a question from you. Um, Hoosh says, hello, Dale. I'm a new subscriber. Oh, congratulations and welcome. Have been following the channel for you a while now. APT has been a, on a roller coaster and I've been monitoring this stock uh, since I started trading about six months ago. Don't have a lot to invest in and it's a high price stock and have been nervous getting into it. I'm considering getting into this stock when it falls below $100 with a $5,000 investment. What are your thoughts on this stock? Catch a falling knife that I know that you do not recommend or wait till it falls below $100 and get into it when it starts going up again. Um, pretty much none of the above is probably my answer is. There's a couple of things is 
Afterpay is not an expensive stock. And what you've got to understand is it's not the value price of the stock. And I'll show you on the chart here. If we go and have a look at Afterpay, what you're valuing Afterpay, and it's a pretty much a rookie mistake. You're saying Afterpay is $130, so it's expensive, or $120, where a stock at $20 is, you know, if it was $20, it's cheap. That has no relevance to the, the price of the stock, has no relevance to whether it's cheap or expensive. The relevance is, is, is what is the stock worth? If Afterpay at this price at $115.40, which is closed on Friday, if it's worth $300 and at $115, this is a dirt cheap stock. It's under underpriced, well underpriced. It's fundamental value, as I said, if it was worth $300 fundamentally, then it's super, super cheap right now. But alternative or, or in the opposite, it's if it was only worth $50, then it's really expensive right now. So never ever value a stock based on the stock price itself alone, because that will never tell you. This is not going to the supermarket where you can compare two tins of baked beans, you know, one's $2 and one's $1.95, and you go, oh, the $1.95 one's cheaper, because you're buying exactly the same product. Whereas this is, it's about its intrinsic value, the underlying value of the company. Right now, the second thing you mentioned is buying it when it hits, goes under $100. Is that a guess? Or do you know there's a, a, a level of resistance or support around that level? That's the second thing I wouldn't do. If it trades to $100, I'm definitely not putting anywhere my money anywhere near it because what we need to do is wait for it to find some support and go up again. I'm not suggesting it will fall through $100. I'm not suggesting it will find support at $100. But never buy a stock because you think it's cheap or it's fallen to a level that you think is enough because it can always fall further. Now, right now, when we're looking at this stock, it's about having great rules around it. I'm not saying anything about Afterpay not being a great stock or being a good performer the last 12 months, but you're falling into those rookie mistakes of getting into the market darling and following that, whereas you really should be looking at stocks that have been falling away for some time. Um, be, there's plenty of them out there. AGL is one of them we've talked about a few times. It's not a good buy right now. It's Right now, it's still a good buy. You know, the money, it's still going down. Right now, um, APT is going down and it has a high probability of continuing to go down until eventually it doesn't, but watch it until it stops falling away and have some rules around it. So I don't agree you buy it as soon as it goes through or when it goes through $100, and I don't agree with some of the other things you're talking about, but that's okay. You've been only in the market and trying to trade for six months, which means you're learning. So asking the question is the first step or asking questions of us is the first step. So I really do applaud you for doing that. If you haven't read my book, grab my book. It'll give you some rules around buying and selling, but uh, um, it really will pay you. At this point in time, I, I think there's a lot more downside for Afterpay and um, I would be interested when it gets, gets keeps going lower and, and looking at it, finding support starting to move up, then I might look at it with my money as well. Um, but stay watching it and stay learning, which is the really important thing. Now I have a question from a long-term subscriber to our show. I don't even know how you say your name, NZBRG1, whatever that actually is supposed to mean. I, I'm sure you've got a real name that I can actually say, but that's okay. I know you do send a question in every now and again, but thank you for supporting the show for the last two or three years that we've been running all these uh, recordings that we're doing. Um, they say, I read some research a while back that said after thorough backtesting across many years in different stock markets that a 24 to 25% stop loss from a high was the optimum percentage. Um, I suppose if you were trading larger cap stocks that you that are less volatile, then volatile than 15 to 20% would work better. Um, on the ASX, even large cap stocks, large or gap down, 
and quick recoveries are not uncommon. Um, interesting question, and, and it's really one that you have to be, I've, you would have heard me say, because you've been watching our YouTube videos for so long, it's about context and content. So looking at that research, I can't just comment saying, oh, okay, well, that research is right or it's wrong, because I need to look at how the research was done. Because the research might have been done just on sectors, it might have been done on indices, it might have been done on um, low cap stocks, mid cap stocks, um, speculative stocks, blue chip stocks, whatever that is. And what is the criteria around working out whether that 20 to 25% drop off a high, what is the criteria? Are they talking about a 20 to 25% drop off a high over a period of six months or six days or six weeks? What is all of that? So you need to look at the research and really pull, pull the crap out of it, basically, and determine really what it's actually saying and why, rather than just blindly going, oh, okay, 20 to 25% off a high is a great stop loss. It works best. Works best for what? Um, is it, does it result in you get less trades and make more money? Does it result in you have less getting stopped out less? What are the results and what do they mean? And I, th I think you're getting my point here. It's not just taking things that people blindly say. And quite frankly, straight away in my book and, and in our courses, I say to all of our students, I say, always, always, always test everything. Believe nothing, test everything. So don't believe what I'm talking about here, don't believe what I put in my book and don't believe what I put in our courses. Test it for yourself because if you can get it to work, then keep going with it. But if you don't test it and you blindly follow it, then you may make mistakes or you quite, quite often will make mistakes. So you need to be careful now. But also you, I, you actually confusing a couple of things. One is an initial stop loss and one is a trailing stop loss. So you talked about 15% on a blue chip stocks. That's a, what we talk about as being an initial stop loss on a buy price. So if you bought a blue chip stock at $10, 15% of that's $1.50. Take $1.50 off $10, gets you to $8.50. So if the stock traded to $8.49, you sell. That's pretty much an initial stop loss. Okay, but once the stock's in profit, you use a trailing stop loss. So in my book, we talk about trend lines as a trailing stop loss. Brilliant trailing stop loss. Easy to apply, put it on a monthly chart, you're done. Um, and you'll find what we did was we had people that came in and checked, um, highly qualified people with um, certified financial analysts come in and checked all the trading and uh, that Janine and I did over numerous years for our clients and for us. And we gave them whole lots of scenarios. We gave them over three or 400 trades that we actually did. And we said to them, okay, let's, here's some portfolios, makeups, you know, we're gonna do um, re-weighting, we're gonna be doing um, uh, uh, once, once a quarter, rebalancing once every year. We wanna talk about looking at stop losses, entries and exit strategies. And they spent months analyzing everything we did. And this person came back to us and said, well, your average loss off the top is about 9%. That's our average loss off 9%. But they said the way you're managing your portfolio and why you're trading and getting in and out is the optimum that you can actually do. Because Janine and I wanted to see if we can break what we do and if we can break it, then we can fix it. Or well, if that makes sense, it's like, do we know or we just assume we're doing really well or can we fine tune it a little bit? And so we needed somebody external to us to come in and actually try and work out 
a better way f- than what we're actually doing. And so using our trailing stop losses and our initial stop losses, as I said, the, the average loss we found off a top was about 9%. Now, during the GFC, we had a lot of people who were, we were running accounts for and, our, and the most any of our clients actually lost who were following us. I think I think it was like eight, nine, ten percent off the GFC. Pretty much, we were out. We we're also we we're mainly in cash before the GFC hit. We were pretty much, I think, Janine will probably know a bit better than me, but sixty-ish percent in cash before that. So we really didn't lose a lot off the top because of the exit strategies we used. And again, you nothing, you know, nothing until the market really hits the proverbial and starts coming down. We don't know how good anybody's strategies is. So whilst the market's going up, everybody's happy. And if it's a real bullish market, everybody can make money. But it's not until you get bad weather, do you know how good a sailor you are? And I find, you know, when the market does come back, like I'm expecting in the next month or two, when the next crash happens, how good is are you? And I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about everybody watching this, how good are you and how much money you're going to keep or how what are the decisions you're going to make? Because it's not about buying any one stock and how much you make on any one stock. As Janine and I talked about in last week's live show, how are you managing it? Where are you getting out? And how are you protecting your capital and how are you protecting your profit? Brilliant question though. I really do love your question and, and, and again, thank you for continuing to watch our show. I really do appreciate the long-term support you have and for all of you who are supporting our show and subscribing to our, our show. But you know, you know, this week we've had some fantastic or really good questions uh, from people. So I do applaud the ones that we've got. And if you do have a question that you'd like us to answer or like me to answer, first thing you need to do, hit the subscribe button because that way you know, you're know you supporting our channel. We're giving you the best of what we can give you so you're asking us to do some work for you so all I'm asking you to is pick your little finger up there and hit that button that says subscribe that's all you need to do it's pretty simple and it's painless then I need you to type your question in below that's also pretty simple and also really painless and then next week I'll answer your questions. Now, remember here on this channel that we do these Monday market reports every single week. We also do our live stream, as mentioned, every Tuesday, and that's every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Eastern Time. So hit the subscribe button now, click the bell on the right of it so you know when we upload and go live. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.